I know I hear a lot of people saying they, they hate the sound of their own voice or they could never edit their own podcast because they just don't like listening back to themselves and that kind of thing. Did you ever experience any of that stuff? Early on, yes. But now I look look at that statement and, and I, I feel a little embarrassed because any time that comes up, I end up having to be a little bit quiet because I feel like I'm going to come off really uh, <gasps> egotistical Say by it. saying... Say it! Say I like my voice. Yes, I, I don't thank mind. You. I don't. I don't <laughs> mind it. I don't mind hearing it. Hey there, this is Steph from StephFuccio.com with another episode of Geopets Podcasting. We are traveling to Canada today to chat with one of my favorite hobby podcasters. I will tell you more about him in a minute, but first, I want to mention one thing. I have gone down a very big DAW digital audio workstation rabbit hole in the past few months. If you're following me on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, you've seen me write both my frustrations and my joy with switching from, kind of switching from Audacity to Adobe Audition and now to Hindenburg. And actually, it's more of like combining tools. But anyway, this sparked a curiosity in how different DAWs think and act. And I ended up doing a piece for Discover Pods, and it was published yesterday. So it's called Switching DAWs, A Tale of Four Digital Audio Workstations, and it's on discoverpods.com. And I'll put the link in the show notes for you as well. So today I've got a conversation with Stephen John Drew of the Gunna Geek Network and the Better Podcasting Podcast for you. Stephen is a massive advocate for the hobby podcaster and focuses on the joy of the experience in everything he does in his podosphere. In this conversation, we chat about the podcasting scene in Canada, his background in audio and video, the origin stories of both the Gunna Geek Network and the co-hosted Better Podcasting Podcast. Now, for those of you who are following the Geopats Books Podcast, you probably are thinking that Better Podcasting, that sounds really familiar. Yet it should because Stephen's co-host, SP Stargate Pioneer, was our most recent guest on that podcast. And SP and I talked about the book that started the Expanse TV series, Leviathan Wakes. All of the links to that episode with SP, as well as everything and anything that Stephen and I talk about in this episode, will be in your podcast app and at stephuccio.com forward slash geopatspodcasting forward slash 23. Lastly, I'd love to hear from you. I don't ask for feedback often enough. But you know what? If you're on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or want to email me, Steph Fuccio is my handle at all of those places. It's S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O. It's also my .com address. And I have a speak pipe where you can leave an actual audio message there at stephfuccio.com as well. Please do let me know what you think of this or any episode of Geopats Podcasting. All right, let's get to Hobbyist Joy. Thank you so much, Stephen, for joining us for Geopats Podcasting. I'm happy to be here. (gasps) I got it right the first time. That literally never happens. (laughs) Oh, my God. Who knows what will happen in the next 30 or so minutes? This this is groundbreaking. I'm excited. You're a good luck charm. This is amazing. (laughs) Let's see how how long it takes me to do the next question. No, seriously. (laughs) Of all of the things that you do in podcasting, what is the one thing you want our listeners to know about you at first? That I do podcasting out of the love of podcasting. I'm a hobby podcaster, meaning I'm not trying to make money on my podcast. I am just doing them because I love to make podcasts. Hmm. And that's a huge reason to why you're audibly here is because I've experience part of that world that you've created online and in pod world. But if they were to find you doing some of that community building stuff, where would it be? I've got actually a couple of current projects for actual podcast community building. <laughs> I'm part of Better Podcasting. Mm-hmm. Me and my co-host over there created Better Podcasting to create a, a podcast about podcasting dedicated for hobby podcasters like ourselves. And then community-wise, I also run the Gunna Geek Network, which is a band of geeks that also do geeky podcasts. That's right. Wait, did you start the Gunna Geek Network? I did, yes. I was the one that started that. It actually started as 
as a website that was a general geek outlet for articles and reviews and things like that. And then, of course, podcasting found its way in there. And now that's primarily what the Gunna Geek website is. Wow. Okay. We're definitely going to dive into that a little bit more. But first, as per we normally do on all of the Geopets podcasts, there's a very long S. <laughs> Let's go into your Geopetness. What places have you either been to that have influenced you or just cultures that have influenced you? Well, I I went to the grocery store yesterday. No, I haven't been very, a lot of different places, to be perfectly honest. I have grown up in the same city in Canada. I have, I don't know, I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that I've I've traveled to, to the U.S. <laughs> and, and that's pretty much the extent of my travel. I have only ever been to the U.S. and Canada, aside from a couple cruises, but I don't really count cruises as experience, experiencing the world because they're so isolated, but it's primarily been Canada and the U.S. And being Canadian, I have to say we do have a lot of impact from the U.S. But in any art or entertainment or things that you enjoy, do you, are there any cultures that have touched you or that you've sought out in those mediums? I really enjoy just foreign entertainment. It, it doesn't matter where it comes from. Sometimes like I enjoy watching stuff with subtitles. Sometimes I enjoy listening to somebody talk about a, any form of foreign uh, entertainment just because of the fact that, again, I've grown up in Canada and we do have such this like this North American, very similar entertainment culture and things like that. So when I do look at other entertainment, it's often quite different. It's like outside of this bubble. Mm -hmm. I lived in the U.S. primarily until I was 34. Five? No, 32, I think. And I was always trying to go to like indie movie theaters and like listen to some foreign music and just find stuff online that was different just to get a different point of view and see how things were elsewhere. One of the things that's, I think, kind of unique to Canada in that regard is that we have the French Canadian present, which is almost its own culture within within Canada. And so it's sometimes interesting to put yourself into that bubble, especially because I don't speak French, but try to try to figure out what's coming out of there. I do work for a, a national company with my day job. And so I do talk a lot with different people from Quebec. And so it's always interesting to get their point of view of things as well. And you are the first Canadian on Geopets podcasting. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, hopefully I'll set what? that bar nice and low. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm representing Canada right now that everybody, though, I, I can't. That's a that's a high bar to live up to. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the rest of us have no expectations. So you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's dig back into your podcasting history. When did you start? I don't know. Were you a listener first? I had listened to some podcasts early on. How I figured out about podcasting, I had I had heard a couple people do some podcasts, and I like the general idea of podcasting because I've grown up a big video guy. You know, I would create random video projects through my middle and high school years. I had a buddy that we did a lot of things on. I ended up going to school for video, and it was just a big part that was was a passion of mine. And at the time, this was back in 2008 when I started podcasting, doing video projects was really unaffordable. We didn't have the tools at our disposals. We didn't have the cell phones that could put out great quality video. And so I was looking for another outlet. And I had dabbled up to that point with some online audio streaming. So podcasting kind of combined the two. And there's a lot of similarity for someone who's doing a, a passion video project to doing passion podcasting. So it was like a natural evolution for me. It was a lot more affordable too to be mm -hmm. able to do podcasting over passion video. And so I I got into it that way. And I started out doing just a podcast that was about local music, which quickly evolved to just general music. And then me realizing that the people I was doing this podcast with a couple of friends of mine were really not as interested in it. So then I did some other projects including like a comic book podcast and a podcast about The Walking Dead. And then 
the lo- the longest ones have definitely been the the Gunna Geek Show podcast as well as the Better Podcasting podcast. And we're, with the music, comic book, and Walking Dead podcast, were those all with friends or were some of them solo? So the f- the first one was the music podcast was with people who I knew in person. They were friends of mine. So that's pretty much the only podcast that I've I've really regularly done in person. And then all of my other podcast endeavors have not been solo. They've been with people on the internet. Was it what you expected moving from video to audio? It was a challenge in some ways, but it kind of came naturally to me because of the fact that a lot of the podcasting process happens after you stop recording. There's so much mm-hmm. that's involved after you you stop recording your podcast. And that was the part of video I was always really enjoying the post-production, the editing, things like that. And so it was almost a natural transition for me. And I found that easier in that regard. But trying to get my confidence up on the microphone, trying to articulate myself was a lot more difficult than I had thought it would be. Oh, so how did you overcome that? I have to say that a lot of it came from people that I podcast with. I had some some people along the way tell me straight up, shake off my nerves, compliment certain things I do well, tell me straight up when I should stop overthinking things and worrying. And it really helped build my confidence up. And once you've got sort of confidence that you can do podcasting and you can record a coherent sentence or at least something that can be edited into a coherent <laughs> sentence it, it, it kind of natural it makes you deliver more naturally and more confidently because you see yourself doing that now you've published episodes and you've listened back to those later and you go okay that that wasn't as bad as i thought it was i know i hear a lot of people saying they they hate the sound of their own voice or they could never edit their own podcast because they just don't like listening back to themselves and that kind of thing did you ever experience any of that stuff Early on, yes, but now I look look at that statement and, and I, I feel a little embarrassed because any time that comes up, I end up having to be a little bit quiet because I feel like I'm going to come off really uh, egotistical <gasps> say by it. saying, say, it. say I, I like my voice. Yes, I, I, don't mind, I, don't, I don't mind it. <laughs> I don't mind hearing it. Do I have qualities that I wish I could change? Absolutely. Do I see myself more nasally than some podcasters? Absolutely. But but I enjoy the process and yeah. I don't hate hearing my own voice. Thank so. you. I'm really glad you said that because I've heard the opposite, especially from a lot of female podcasters that I just kind of like go back into a corner. Like, I'm not going to be that person to be like, oh, I love my voice. I'm like, I'm not in love with it. I don't need to hear it all the time. But honestly, I almost view mine when it's in the waveform or when I'm hearing it talking to somebody else as someone else and I kind of play with it like an instrument sometimes and I think that part's really fun and so I view it as that character at that time kind of doing that thing and so I just I don't I don't have that I don't have that I hate my voice thing I'm right there with you yeah I'm I'm very happy to hear you say that (laughs) very happy that's why I was like I know where he's going say it yes (laughs) (laughs) do you do video stuff for your day job I do a little bit of video stuff for my day job. I work in a training department, so I focus primarily on electronic learning. And so I have taken some of those learnings that I've had by doing podcasts and video stuff, and I've applied that there. But when you do work for a corporation, there's a limited scope of what you can do with e-learning, especially with the nature of time and things like that. And so I do video, but to a very limited degree. It's why I think that I still can continue to enjoy doing hobby podcasting because of the fact that I have a limited scope in my day job and it's not doing the same thing for my work as it is for my passion because they're very different in, in many ways. Right. Well, let's go back to the Canada thing and I'll try not to sing that song again, I promise. Is there a big difference between podcasting in the US and podcasting in Canada? I think the biggest difference right now in the podcasting space is that in Canada, there's not a lot of podcast services or or businesses selling services or products for podcasters. We have a lot of people making podcasts, a lot of content creation with podcasts, but I'm not seeing a lot of businesses trying to actually market to podcasters like there is 
in the States. Oh. I keep looking, though, because I, I would, in my ideal world, I would love to support the Canadian economy. I would love to use software and hosting and all sorts of platforms that were built by Canadians, but it's just not feasible at this time. I don't see it. That's a bizarre gap in the market because I've heard that the Canadian listenership is really high. Is that true? Well, I was looking at some statistics recently to do with podcast consumption. There is a report called The Infinite Dial, and they did a Canadian one. And I have to say, it does mirror very similar to the American model. Now, what I found interesting from the most recent report was that, and this was one that just came out this year, and this report covers more than just podcast listening. It covers all sorts of like smart speakers and online consumption and things like that. And what was interesting to me was I'd seen a statistic in there that they had summarized that basically the top three cell phone carriers within Canada last year started to allow some unlimited mobile data. I know many people are going, what, you didn't have that before? No, many of them did not have that. And so there, the top three did start to have that in, I think it was June 2019. And they saw compared, like from that point forward, they saw a huge increase in online data consumption by Canadians. And so the fact, like when I look at that report and I go, the fact that we are kind of neck and neck with U.S. for podcast awareness and things like that. But we have just seen that sort of recent growth in online data cons- consumption. We Perhaps we might see that that shift now that we have that sort of door open. Are we suddenly going to see a lot more people streaming podcasts and, and checking things out on their mobile phones? I'm kind of curious to see where that goes. That's an exciting moment on so yeah, many levels. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And the gap in, wow, I can't believe that. Because you think there would be more people setting up services and offering stuff like that because currency exchange is what they are. It's annoying to buy services from a different country because there's always a loss or it's a higher price to, to do that. So you'd think at least if nothing else, there'd be something more local. Wow. Which is odd to me because we are a very digital country in a lot of ways. We do have a lot of, you know, like web host providers and other digital services. There's, I have done a lot of web stuff over the years. Before podcasting, I had several different online websites that I would run. Uh, A story I like to share is that the first web hosting that I ever paid for, I paid for with a check because I was too young to have a credit card. So I've I've done web stuff for a very long time. And a lot of the hosting providers that people do use, even that are US based, they actually have a or they're on like a, a server farm in Canada. And so we are digital in a lot of ways. But it's weird for me to see that. I think probably the closest sort of thing that I've seen service wise really take off in Canada has been for people who are trying to do like a video companion or a live stream for their podcast, there's a platform called StreamYard. And I I believe that the two creators there met at the University of Victoria. One of them last year did reach out to me and did say they they were in Victoria. Now, I don't know their history if if they were just living here, but that is like a Canadian connection there. And so that's not to say there's not services or products out there that I'm not aware of, but there just doesn't seem to be this big takeoff that I've seen in other places in sure, the world. Sure, sure. If I'm completely honest, the only Canadian podcasting people I know, people or organizations, well, people, you, and organizations is Pacific Content, who is a, I believe, like their production company, right? Yes, I believe uh, yeah. so. Yeah. And they produce a really killer newsletter, which is what I generally consume of theirs. And actually some of their content, their branded podcasts are hit my hobby boxes. So I, that's, a weird, <laughs> that's a weird way to put it, but they but they do produce good podcasts too. So that's it as far as I know. But yeah. There are, there are some, a lot of independents that I've seen. You see kind of a similar shift that you've seen in, in other world in other places of the world where uh, things like radio stations are embracing podcasts. I know a couple of the local radio stations were early to get into podcasting, step back, and then came back. Like when I started podcasting, I remember we had had a guy on from the local radio station that had his own podcast on there. And then that kind of just went away for a long time. And then in recent years, they started to come come back to it. But we have a 
federally owned broadcast corporation called the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, CBC. It has its own podcasting division. So it's not that there's not people creating content, but it seems like products, services, and other things for podcasters, I just haven't seen a lot. Are there many like podcasting groups or meetups or things within Canada where people are gathering together with other podcasters? There are some, but in Canada, things are a little bit different where we don't see a lot of people just going and driving across a couple provinces to go to a big event. I don't know if it's the terrain, if it's the fact that our population is so spaced out, I'm not sure, but it's different than I've heard of other stories elsewhere in the world where people are willing to drive an extended period just to, to head over to a conference. There are there are some in Western Canada here, the couple ones that are on my mind, one of them is called Pod Summit. They're based out of the province of Alberta. And then there is one in Vancouver, BC called the Vancouver Podcast Expo. Now, Vancouver Podcast Expo is a little different than you might imagine, like a, a usual convention where you go to one place and they're all within a couple very close by buildings. The Vancouver Pod Expo was interesting. I didn't attend because it was more for business podcasters, but it was interesting for me to look into because it was a series of events across a variety of different places. Yes, they had like, I think the Vancouver Library, they was one of their core places. They had a few staples, but then they had a bunch of different businesses running different events for the podcast expo. So it was one of those things that you kind of had to be prepared to sort of drive around if you wanted to check out everything. But it was neat to see that still happen in Vancouver because Vancouver is such a such a hub city in the West here. I have always been in love with you. All right, I've got two quick announcements for you about podcasting. The Black and Brown Podcast Collective is pleased to announce the first ever Black Women the Experience Podcast Grant. The Black and Brown Podcast Collective will be awarding micro grants to Black women who are sharing their narratives and unique experiences to the world through podcasting. You can help us amplify the voices of Black women by spreading the word. For more information, Check out the Black and Brown Podcast Collective at www.bbpodcollective.com. You can also contact the Black and Brown Podcast Collective at hello at bbpodcollective.com. See you soon. So the links to that will be in your podcast app and on the show notes on stephfuccio.com forward slash podcasting. Also, I'd like to remind you that I have a stephfuccio.com newsletter where I share more than just the podcast episodes that come out. I share the different things that I'm writing, the different projects that I'm working on, and a behind-the-scenes look of the creative process of all of the things that I'm doing. It is a weekly, scannable, yet somewhat deep dive into my creative process and product. And I think if you're interested in creativity, podcasting, or just creating things, I think you'd find it quite interesting. I'll put the link in your podcast app just for you. You can sign up at stephfuccio.com. And if you're not interested in the behind the scenes of the creative process of this kind of thing, you might know someone who is. So please do forward them this information so they can subscribe to the newsletter. All right, let's get back to Stephen and his podcasting experiences. You said that you are a hobby podcaster and you don't ever want to make money from podcasting. It sounds like that was something you knew intrinsically from the beginning. Is that true? I always say never say never with making money. I won't rule that out 100%. But at the moment, if I was looking to make money online, I probably wouldn't really look for podcasting. I would probably look at back to that video passion. That's probably where I, I would look. That could possibly evolve to podcasting at some point, or perhaps there could be something related to the podcast that I'm doing where there is additional content or something behind a paywall. But I personally just have enjoyed the process of it. And when you do stuff just for fun as a hobby, and you know you're the one spending money, you're going <laughs> to spend money to enjoy yourself and have a hobby. 
there's so many less hurdles that you have to worry about. You don't need to worry about how do I get the right agreements from the sponsor? How do I make sure to deliver this content that I'm going to upset the sponsor? Do I have to rearrange the order of what I'm presenting because that might go against the sponsor I have for this episode? Are there additional tax considerations and things like that? And so for me, I just prefer at this moment to just be doing it for fun and really just growing myself. And making the connections, of course, too. The connections are a huge part of it. I'm a big advocate of saying that I think the number one rule for hobby podcasters is to have fun. And one of the best ways you can have fun is to interact with other people and really get to know people within whatever niche you're doing. If you're doing a podcast all about a certain specific topic, get to know the community around that topic so that you can make those connections and just build some relationships. Yeah, I see. I'm really jealous that you hopped into podcasting so early because now, I mean, I've been, it's like three and a half years for me, but even when I came in three and a half years ago, the groups online, the podcasting groups online were ginormous. And it took me a while to figure out where my tribes were (laughs) and, and which group felt comfortable or which just to find those places. I imagine in 2008, when you first started, those communities were much smaller, weren't they? Absolutely. It was hard to find people to talk about podcasting. Sometimes I question if the people that I podcast with originally knew for sure what we were doing at the time. (laughs) Did you think they thought they were on radio? I don't know what they thought that they were on. Uh, (laughs) I, I really don't because they there was well actually one of my buddies did make a comment a couple of years ago that I'd done that first podcast with and he and he, it was something to the effect of oh I think I understand finally what we were doing or I I can't remember the exact phrasing but it was one of those moments <laughs> that I just thought yeah it took you a while to come around but you got there and the fact that you were doing the the show without them knowing it lends a lot of credit to you and whoever else was, like how many people were in that podcast there was myself and two others, and then when a uh, fourth buddy of ours came into town from school, he would occasionally come on. It was very spaced out. It was a very spaced out platform or a podcast where releases were very staggered, but ultimately it got me into something that was more routine that was online-based, but it, it helped get me uh, where I needed to be. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. So are you, like you started Gonna get the Gunna Geek Network, which is, dare I ask, how big is it now? Like, how many different podcasts are coming out of there now? So, right now, we're in a bit of a lull for many of them, just because as we record this, there is the COVID situation happening. And, and I have to say, a lot of them, there's several that have kind of gone stagnant right now, which I, I don't blame them just because it is a hard time to shove yourself in front of a microphone isolate yourself some more and and just do the podcast. So we do currently have about 20. That's a lot. Okay. Because you've got a family, you've got a full-time job, you're doing better podcasting, and then you're doing Gunna Geek. How do you you juggle all of that? Right now, the Gunna Geek Network, we are people who get together through the Gunna Geek Network to share our love of podcasting, but they're all all the podcasts are independently run. That's a big part part of what I do with it is anytime anybody comes on board, I make it very clear. They continue to own their podcast. We are just an affiliation of podcasters who want to help each other out. And so I leave the content up to them. I leave it all up sure. to them because it is their podcast. So I don't have a hand in those podcasts other than if they come to me and they have questions or they they want to express something, I let them do that. So I want to make it clear, I'm not having any creative influence on any of them. They are just as fantastic as they are on their own. But there's like an external structure to the entire Gunna Geek network. Isn't there some maintenance or maintenance is probably the wrong word. Isn't there some sort of organizational stuff you have to do occasionally to keep that churning? Yes, there is. There's the website aspect. And truth be told, I do wish that I could do more with that. It is a hard balance to have doing a couple podcasts, doing some other fun projects, and also running the website. In the world of websites, it's really only been recent that I've seen a lot of tools come to webmasters to make that process easier. So 
I actually have a couple things in line for a refresh of the Guinea Geek website so that that can be easier, but I still need to find the time to be able to do that. That's one of those things that have been pushed off year after year after year because there's always something else going on, but it, it can be a hard balance. A lot of times I try to wait and do some of these things once I have kids, once the kids are in bed or my wife's at work, something where I'm just by myself anyways and I don't feel guilty sitting in front of the computer for a while doing some code or whatever. Sure. That's quite a bit. I guess I saved the most familiar for last. I want to say better podcasting podcast, but I've been, because of the time difference, I've been watching it on YouTube way more lately since I moved to Germany. <laughs> so yeah, the podcast and the YouTube channel. And how did that come about? I remember there being a fun story you guys told once about that. Yeah. So what happened was my co-host over there, Stargate Pioneer, him and I for a long time were just chatting. He was part, he came into the Gunna Geek Network and he, he was in a few behind the scenes sort of group chats that we had back in the day of Google Hangouts. There was, I had a bunch of different chats going on and he was in one of them. And there was a, a question that came up, I think it was about equipment. And so him and I kind of started to talk back and forth about that. And then next thing I, I know, we were more involved with these sort of similar topics to do with this group chat. We were both responding to a lot of the same sort of topics. So then that, of course, led to more direct one-on-one -on -one conversation. And as that grew, got to the point, and I believe... And I have to go back and look, but I believe I was technically the one that first pitched to him saying, <laughs> hey, you know what we should do? We should do a podcast about podcasting for hobby podcast for hobby podcasters. And we had had a lot of ideas back and forth direct at the time. So it wasn't a big stretch, but we both came to that agreement. Uh, I believe we were both on uh, Christmas break at the time. And so we got together on a call. It was a several hour call just to hash out ideas and we came up with the name Better Podcasting, registered the domain, and then it sat there for a long time as we we decided we just wanted to refine that idea. And it took us, I want to say, something like eight months to get that launched, wow. even though we probably could have launched it sooner. But we, we we ended up almost forcing ourselves into it. We We said to ourselves, we're going to announce it in, I think it was October, and we made ourselves do it even up to the last little bit. We were, we were kind of hemming and hawing. So we did that. But when we did that announcement, we also committed ourselves to a date, which we, again, probably would have continued to go in this development process if we didn't just give ourselves some dates. And I think we had said, we are going to launch this show officially episode one by the end of the year, I think is what it was. And so it took us a bit to get there, but we finally, finally got there and got that launched and uh, really just kind of had to force ourselves into actually launching the podcast by giving ourselves dates. And now I'm, I know he's going to, when he hears this, write me back and say, you got the dates wrong. He's way better at remembering the dates than I am, but I'm pretty sure I was the first one to suggest it. And that's what matters. <laughs> so what was the hesitation? Was it just wanting to get it really, really right from the beginning? At the time, I, I feel like we were doing something that was almost against the grain. There was a lot of podcasts about podcasting that were really focused on money. And our big thing was we want to be a voice for hobby podcasters. There are people who don't want to make money. And there should be a community involvement with the, for those people so that they don't have to sit there and uh, take advice that's only to make money, that they can focus on the other things. And because of that, it was essentially going against the grain of some of those established communities at the time because they did have a certain message that we felt was going a certain way and we were going in another. And so I think we just kind of overanalyzed everything. We had some projects both going on at the time as well. For example, mine was the Walking Dead podcast and trying to find a time that would work. And so we both ended up dropping some projects before we could push ahead as well, just to make sure we were, weren't going to uh, work ourselves thin or just get tired with it and, you know, not have fun. So we kind of had to wait for certain ducks to get in a row. But I think we also just overanalyzed in some ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what year did you say you started doing it when it finally started coming out? I'm not sure when I first started watching you, I'm not sure how far in it was. And now I'm curious. I always say the wrong date. <laughs> we started that in 2015. 
No, it was a few years in by the time I found you. Okay. And you have quite a, a few different spokes on the BP wheel. I'm going to get fun now because you said ducks. So I feel the need to like have all kinds of analogies now. <laughs> so you have all kinds of community spokes out of the BP wheel. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So we have the Better Podcasting podcast right now that is the key podcast that, that we, we've got where we do pick a topic each week to talk about and go into that we think is helpful for the audience. But we also have, as you mentioned, the video companion as well, which is a full, full produced video show. I try to treat that like someone who might want to go to YouTube and watch a video would be happy with that, not just going to YouTube and finding audio with a static image on that. I, I actually use software to be able to go and switch between shots, have logos, things like that. I edit that fully like I do the audio show. And we use that a little bit as a tool for podcasters as well, because we actually live stream that video too. And we leave that up for a while after, depending on how I'm feeling that week. And a lot of people have told us that they've enjoyed seeing that video, that raw video, because they can see the mistakes that are made, then go back and compare it to the produced version. We also this year started doing a live chat question and answers program where it's it's mostly unedited. We say fully unedited, but I, I do go and I, I take uh, Stargate Pioneer, my co-host, his track, and I I put the audio together so it sounds good, sounds like our usual show. I do a couple things just at the beginning and the end and then post it up there, but the content is is unedited in the middle. And that's just sort of an open forum for people to be able to come and ask us questions or us address questions that come up through the week that we might not fit into the regular show. We do have social media that we try to interact with as well. And we, we try to respond to emails as much as we can. We are, as a hobbyist, we can't always be able to get right on top of emails right away, but we do try to respond where we can and give as in-depth response as allows. I'll give my co-host credit on that. I am in the uh, Pacific coast. He's on the east. He's in the eastern time zone. And then it seems like a lot of the people that email us end up emailing when I'm in bed. So a lot of times he beats me to it. But we, we do try to create that ability to support fellow hobby podcasters through a variety of different channels. And also, we have a section on the Gunna Geek Discord server where we also try to just give our experiences and, and recommendations and just build that community. There's a lot of really good community support there as well with people who do sometimes beat us to responding to the, that comes up. The chat room during your live streams are really lively. People are talking about what you're talking about. They're talking to each other. There's, there's, there is a definite community in there that's really, really nice and friendly. How long did it take for that to start to get that way? Because it, it takes a little while to get going, doesn't it? It took a while. And we've had our ups and our downs for sure with it. This year, we actually moved our live recording date. We used to do it on Wednesdays. And then we moved it to Tuesdays because we had had we noticed that the community, the live chat community had started to slow down. And I guess what happened was just the, we have a, a group of core people who are in there. A lot of them had other things come up. And we had a couple reasons we wanted to move it to Tuesday, but that was part of the reason as well. And so we moved it to Tuesday, and then that brought the community, a lot of them, back. But from the beginning, I remember when we were first going out there with the chat room, there were episodes where there was nobody in there, but that was okay. We were going to keep doing it. And it just it ended up being that we had to give a lot of recognition to that ability that we are going to stream at this time live on this date so that people were familiar with that idea and they could get it into their routine. And and if they were in the middle of doing nothing, uh, they might think, oh, better podcasting is streaming right now. So it, it really was all about consistently messaging that date and the time because you can't just expect everybody just to drop what they're doing and come to the time that you've arbitrarily chosen. But you never know if you stay consistent with the time who might think about that. Maybe sometimes second or third down their list of things to do that day, but they still think of you. At the beginning, like, could you see how many people were watching and whether they were commenting or not? Did it take a while to get that chatter going in the chat room? Yeah, it, it did. We actually, in our early live streams, didn't have even a lot of people watching, let alone commenting. But I remember we had a, 
we had a couple situations where people just randomly came in and said, hey, I saw your tweet about that. This sounds fun. I'll be back next week. And to have them comment that they're going to come back was really exciting early on. How did you tell people you were doing the live streams? Like, where was it just social media or? It was a combination of social media and on the show. I have to go back to check for sure how we did it, but I believe we just started to mention regularly that we record this live on this date at this time, but we definitely did social media as well. Have you heard back from the community at all, your, your listeners, whether it be during the live streams or in the podcast itself on them forming like partnerships or connections or collabs with each other? Absolutely. It's always amazing when we see people who start to talk to each other and connect to each other outside of our community. We have had people who have we've seen like on social media start to message each other. I really also enjoy when people find each other through like say a Twitter reply and they go, hey, I also listen to that. Yeah, that's a great show. And it's nice to see them connect, even though they might not be doing the exact same project together. They actually are acknowledging each other through something that is based off of our show. That's really cool. Connectors. <laughs> <laughs> I normally ask people at the beginning what their tech setup is, but for the listeners in the live stream of Better Podcasting, you can generally see a ton of microphones behind Stephen. And so I'm slightly hesitant to ask you about your tech setup because I think your answer might be long. So if I asked you today what you're using to record, can you tell us that? <laughs> yes. Today I'm using a Rode Procaster microphone, which is a, it's a lower tiered, large dynamic microphone. And it's going into a Zoom L8 recorder, which is a mixer and a hardware recorder. There is also a DBX 286 preamplifier, which is giving the microphone the gain that it needs. There are some other things involved with the setup, but I'll keep it there. Those are the core three components today. <laughs> <laughs> now, why do you need the, I forget the name already, not the Zoom and not the microphone, that third thing? The DBX 286 yeah. preamplifier? Yeah, yeah <laughs> so that. <laughs> that is something that's sitting between my microphone and my recorder. And the reason why I use that is because it's essentially, for lack of a better term, powering the microphone cleanly. If you use something that it doesn't have enough, and again, I'll, I'll use a simple term, an, enough oomph to power the microphone, you might start to hear some noise like hiss and things like that. And so the DBX286 preamplifier allows that to, to really power that microphone cleanly. Now, all sorts of technical audiophiles are getting mad at me for saying the terms that I just did, but I'm trying to make it simple here. And the other thing that it does as well is it does have the ability to do a little bit on-the-fly enhancements. So like it's got a built-in de-esser to help cut back some of my my sharpnesses. It also has the ability to have a little bit of sort of gentle EQ. So like there's really two knobs. One is to to increase your sort of bottom end, the low end, and one is to increase the high end. So I'm able to just sort of dial that so it's less that I have to do in editing. And then the other thing as well is it does have the ability to gate the signal. So when I'm not talking, essentially silence it. And I've got that set at a level so that hopefully if my kids do something a little bit loud, not too loud, it will close off that signal. Wow, wow, wow. And do you know how many microphones you have right now? I don't. I don't. I'm, <laughs> uh, I have a lot. I have many, many that we've tested over the years and whatnot. And many which have sat in the box awaiting various things but have not, not ever made a video just because... They were purchased with the intention of doing a comparison, but wasn't done. If somebody asked you today, hey, I want to start a podcast, what is the one bit of advice, just one bit of advice that you could give them? What would you say? If it could only be one, mm -hmm. I would have to say, have fun. Oh, that is the best answer ever. <laughs> <laughs> so final question. We talk to podcasters all over the world about the various things in podcasting depending on what they do and what their where their interests lie having said that what are things you might be curious about for people who podcast 
in different countries? Like what aspect of podcasting would you be curious about knowing that they do maybe the same, maybe differently? I would like to know more about the delivery method to consumers. Over here, there seems to be a couple big bodies. There is there's Apple Podcasts, but then there's other things like Spotify getting into podcasts. There's Google Podcasts. But the reason why I'm curious about other delivery methods is because I think it was last year, there was a huge fanfare about the fact that a company called Pandora was getting into podcasts. As a Canadian, my response to that was, I don't care because Pandora was not is not in Canada. So while there was all sorts of Americans that were super excited about this, as a Canadian, I'm like, I can't get Pandora. It doesn't affect me at all. So in other parts of the world, are podcasts being delivered to consumers through other ways? Okay. So basically how they're listening to it, like yeah. what they're using to listen. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that in, that is an interesting thing. Time and time again, I'm surprised how many places do use the same things that we're familiar with the apple podcast and the spotify and the and those kinds of things yeah but there are there are slight differences elsewhere and that is one of the things i'm very curious about too so i'm surprised that wasn't on the list did you delete it from the list of questions just so you could ask that question absolutely no oh, i knew it i knew it <laughs> please tell the listeners where they can find you online Betterpodcasting.com is is the podcast about podcasting. You can also go to gunnageek.com, which is spelled G-O-N-N-A geek.com. And I am on Twitter as well, which is twitter.com slash Stephen John Drew. I am on some other social media, but Twitter is my current hideout at the moment. It is because of the fact that it's so open to people. A lot of the other places are getting more and more closed off again. And so I think Twitter is is just a lot more open. Oh, you mean with like the private groups and things? Yeah, a lot more like public interactions as opposed to like on Facebook where you find people being in the same sort of closed off community. But you got to know about that community before you can get into the community. No, that's really true. That's really true. Even on Instagram, more and more these days, I'm finding people who follow me and then I go to see what they're about and it's a closed account. And I'm like, well, I'm not (laughs) following you until I know and I can't know until I follow. So we're not doing anything then. (laughs) I can hear you gently bowing on your violin. That's no sin. Thank you so much to Stephen, who took the time out of his busy pod life to have this conversation. This is another conversation that I had when I was still living in Germany last year. And I'm so happy to put it out into the world. I've been experimenting with different, um, different DAWs, different, different effects and different things. And I think the sound of this particular episode is probably one of the best that I've produced so far. And I'm super happy about that. So it'd be, be interesting to hear your responses to that. What do you think? Does this sound different? This sounds different to me. Anyway, um, (laughs) I also need to thank the Black and Brown Podcast Collective for sending us this information. We will be adding this to our episodes until that project is no longer running. If you have a project like this that you'd like to add to the Geopets Podcasting Network, I'm happy to do that. All right. Last thank you goes to Damon Castillo, who is kind enough to let us use his music from the Mess of Me album. He can be found at DamonCastillo.com. You can see all of his music, information, and when things eventually someday get back to normal, his live concert dates, damoncastillo.com. Don't go anywhere because you're going to hear the full song in three, two, one. Saint Cecilia I can hear you whispering my name But today I can't play your game Saint Cecilia You know you're the mistress of my heart But tonight I won't play the part No If you love me Will cure my ills If you need Pay my bills if you want me, then let me know. But if you don't, Saint Cecilia.
Saint Cecilia, let me go. 